What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right, it's episode 141 this week, and we're going to be doing some Alex de la Iglesia's films, uh, some that are kind of leaning towards horror, some that are, are, I would consider horror, but they're mostly humorous films for the most part, uh, and I think they're appealing to horror fans. One of them, I would say, is more, which we're doing The Day of the Beast, and The Last Circus, which uh, Brittany decided that she wanted to do this week. Uh, I haven't done a review on this for many years. At least I, I, I was like, did I do it for BTV? I couldn't remember if you did or not. Yeah, because I, I always think I of this like did. as like my like my real podcast or whatever. But I did do a podcast with Nick Bonaventura from the Starship um, years ago, and we did Pontypool, we did The Last Circus, Attack the Block, and we were going to do ha- New Year's Evil um, for that. And uh, yeah, so it's been like literally seven, eight years since I've reviewed it. But I did buy it on Blu-ray, like probably shortly after. It was like right before. I moved in here actually oh crazy (laughs) so but uh yeah guys um we're jumping into these fucking movies one of them I have never seen, The Day of the Beast, so it's going to be all brand new for both of us on that one. Brittany's seen The Last Circus, and so have I. It's just a nice treat to, for us. So, But uh, how have you been? What's, how's things going? Things are good. Yeah? You know, fine. Dude, I have it's been fine. like fucking <laughs> just like legitimately working from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep. <laughs> like every day for like the past couple of weeks, except for one day I got 10 hours of fucking sleep. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, I want to tell you, uh, we do have a new Reddit. It's called Beyond the Void Horror. So if you are a Reddit fan and you want to follow us there, you can follow us there. Uh, we always go and uh, and uh, partake in scary movies as well on Reddit. So if you're a fan of that, do that. We also have a Discord. So if you're into horror or games or whatever, we have a Discord group called BTV Cult, and uh, there's a link in the description of everything here in our episode below, so just want to let you guys know about that so that you know going forward. Plus, if you guys are into games, I've got like a series that I'm doing with TryHard and fucking Jex that we've been having a lot of fun with. Um, you guys should check it out. It's like a Let's Play. It's like this, like if people were sitting behind me while I play, and like we make fun of the game. So I play this like soma game it's pretty fun so i wanted to let you guys know if you're not following our youtube you should definitely do it because there's gonna be a lot of stuff being added to it so yeah be a, be a friend <laughs> uh, be a dick be a dude uh, <laughs> uh i need it please god <laughs> i'll suck your dick 
Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of dicks, there's a lot in this movie. These movies. Um, oh, God. I loved it. God, it was amazing. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not love it. <laughs> did you do anything cool this week, though? Did you have any fun? Or I had a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Like, literally, my three-day weekend was... Busy as fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Anything so... you could talk about? <laughs> Xander's birthday. Oh, so okay, we yeah. For drinks for Xander's birthday. That was cool. And then we went to the witching hour thing after that. Nice. Saturday. We did stuff during the... Oh, yeah, I recorded. We recorded? We recorded on Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Mouse and I went and got day drunk. Oh, shit. And then kitty pool, pool party at Mark and Sydney's house on Sunday, <laughs> which nice. was a blast. Wow, it sounds like you had some fun, though. That's good for the um, holiday. I'm, fun was had. Drank way too fucking much. Dude, I was almost tempted to have you and I watch Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, Gojira. Go that came Jira. out, huh? Uh, well, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, well, for people who are privileged, they get to go see it on like Wednesday. Thursday night is pretty much tonight. They Oh, it comes out today. Yeah, like any of the early birds that want to go see it can go see it late at night. And then tomorrow, we're going to go see it in the morning. I was like, we can do it next week. I don't it's, care. It's been getting some pretty divisive reviews, and I don't know what to think of it. Like, you know, like the first Godzilla that of this, because this is the one, same one as, as... The last one. Yeah, it's it's like it's supposed it's, to be connected. Yeah. Which I had issues with because they kept cutting away from the action of the fucking right. monsters. I loved it. I saw it in IMAX, though. What I've heard nope. is that if you're looking for human um, emotion and stuff like that, it's probably not going to give you the feel that you want. Like from Eleven or from Godzilla? From all the actors. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but if you're like into like seeing Godzilla wreak havoc and all these monsters wreak havoc, you're going to fucking come in your mouth. Sweet. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be so much. It's going to be like, yeah, maybe they should have added some like dialogue. It's going to be like whoever does the Transformers movies, Michael Bay. Well, it's so funny explosions. because the first movie got so much shit for like one cutting away from the scenes. But two, it was all the people. It was all about the people. It was still good. So, though. so like fast forward to today. Now they're complaining about there's not enough. Because people like, are idiots. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Sorry, but people are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't say. I can't. I don't know. But we'll, we'll find out. I mean, everyone's dumb. Well, there's no news this week today, guys. So we're going to go ahead and skip over that, which I, it seems like we do every week now. But uh, I was kind of planning on it. But I figured we'd have a lot to say about these movies. So I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horse shots. All right, guys, so now it's time to do our horse shots, and today we're going to be doing one based on one of the movies. Which one did you pick, Brittany? You found it. I got this shot idea from The Day of the Beast. Basically, without ruining too much, is they do a lot of LSD in this movie. In a ritual. In a ritual, yeah. but he's also just doing it randomly. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, and he gives it to his granddad, but anyway. Um, so... Naturally, yes. I said, let's call this shot the L.S. Diablo. Immediately, I thought of that scene, too, when I saw the movie. But I was like, well, we'll wait and watch the circus and see if the last circus no. is see. Yeah. Um, so for the L.S. Diablo, you're going to take a Clever. Half, uh, I know, right? Clever I was, girl. I was so happy with myself. <laughs> um, you're going to do half an ounce of lemon vodka, half an ounce of scotch, whatever your preference for scotch is fine, mm -hmm. and half an ounce of drambuie liqueur. You're going to shake it. Oh, wait. Shake it. Shake, shake it, it. Shake it with ice. Strain it into a shot glass. Oh, 
Fancher. And then add a drop of virgin blood, or in this case, grenadine. Yeah, to top it off. Yeah. You have to have virgin blood to, you know, finish rituals. Once you guys see this movie, you'll understand. And by the way, you might be able to find it on YouTube, but I don't know that it has subtitles, just FYI. It's a hard movie to find, guys, but that's besides the point. If you would like to try an L.S. Diablo that Brittany came up with, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section. Yeah. That's it for horror shots. Horror shots. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of the Day of the Beast and The Last Circus right now. All right, guys, we're back. So get your fucking caps on for your brains to get blown out by this fucking amazing uh, story that we're actually going to be telling you about. Um, it's pretty amazing. I thought so. Anyway, you will never see a movie like this. <laughs> uh, but we're going to kick it off in chronological order of the movies that came out. So we're going to start with the one I did, which is... The Day of the Beast, also known as El Dia de la Bestia. Uh, It came out in 1995, and the story, a Catholic priest teams up with a black metal aficionado, an Italian connoisseur of the occult, rather charlatan, to avert the birth of the beast, and with it, the end of the world. Now, since these movies were both directed and written, partially at least in this one, by Alex de la Iglesia, we probably won't need to cover it again for the other one. I wasn't going to. And you may have to do the cast, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, But Alex de la Iglesia has done many different movies. Um, He's done a lot of strange ones. I personally prefer the ones that he's done, that he's written and directed uh, and been a part of. He's done Action Mutante, Witching and Bitch. The Oxford Murders, uh, which is really weird. I didn't realize that he did that movie. Yeah, I Uh, I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Um, And he also did, of course, The Last Circus, which Brittany is going to be doing. The screenplay for this also was by Jorge Guerra Wow. Tried there, guys. Please give me credit. Uh, He's also uh, written for Action Mutante, uh, The End, Witching and Bitching, Eye for an Eye, pretty much everything Alex de la Iglesia has ever done, uh, except for The Last Circus, of course. Uh, That was actually written just by him, right? Yes. Okay. Some of the stars in this movie, I'm just going to pick the top three because uh, it's pretty much the priest, the metalhead, and the fucking charlatan. Alex Anglo, or Angulo, his father, Cura, he is in the movie Pan's Labyrinth, Action Mutante, The Backwoods, and many other films that I've never even heard of. Are you in Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. Uh, also, this movie stars Armando de Raza. He plays Cavan, the charlatan. He was in this pretty cool, funny kind of crime uh, action movie that's coming out here in 2019. It's called uh, Dolce Roma, uh, which looks like a pretty fun comedy to me. Um, he's also in Ole and Pronto. Uh, it also stars Santiago Seguera, who is Jose Maria, the metalhead, who has actually directed uh, quite a bit of movies, and he's done a series that he also starred in called Torrente. Um, 
looks like a kind of a silly, fun, balding dude fighting action or something comedy. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's like a Spanish Jack Black. There's like five parts to it. It's and honestly, up. like after seeing his role in this, I just love him. Yeah, he's fun. Um, But he's also in Action Mutante. He's in Blade 2 as one of the Russian vampires. That's in right. In the very beginning. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was like, oh, that's who it is. Yeah. yeah literally the light bulb. It's like he's very, like his look is it's very un yeah, unique. unique. Yeah. Um, he's also in Beyond Reanimator, the third Reanimator movie. He's in Hellboy 1 and 2. He's also in The Last Servant. Uh, who the fuck is he in Hellboy? I knew you were going to ask that. He's the train conductor or the train driver or something. That's what they said in the first one, anyway. No. It's been a while. Gonna have to, <laughs> gonna have to pay attention to that now. Uh, he was also in The Last Circus as Javier's dad. Uh, he was also in Witching and Bitching. So he's been a lot of the movies. Pretty popular actor uh, in Spain. So uh, obviously, Guillermo del Toro probably saw all those movies and was love in love with them, too, just like us. So uh, this movie was on a budget of a million and a half, and it was made in Italy and primarily in Madrid, Spain. So... Brittany, what are your motherfucking thoughts on this motherfucking film? <laughs> um, right fucking now. Mm. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I I really like this a lot more than I anticipated liking it. Yeah. So when I read the like the synopsis of it or whatever, I was like, I'm intrigued. Anytime anyone mentions like a black metal aficionado or fan or whatever that's like helping a Catholic priest or some shit, I'm like, cool. Sign me up. Is some sort of horror comedy. You know? yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely like in that vein. So right. I know it's going to be dark humor and I fucking love dark humor. Horror comedies are my jam. So I like shit that is serious and weird and fucked up, but also can make me laugh. Right. Whether it's intentional or not, but usually it's better when it's intentional. Because <laughs> um, that means it's probably still a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, one of the things that like I kept thinking of is, in a way, this is almost like if the Three Stooges tried to kill the Antichrist. Yes. Is what it reminds me of so much. And I was like, this is fucking crazy because you've got this like bumbling priest slash, slash theologist or whatever who if you don't pay a lot of like really close attention to the like reading the subtitle unless you speak spanish and you don't need to but if you don't pay a lot of, like really close attention to the first like 30 seconds of the movie it's mm -hmm. gonna completely escape you as to why he's doing the things he's doing in right the first yeah. five minutes but he's still kind of like bumbly and stupid he does a lot of stupid things and like i think he's fumbles just like a, through stuff right well you're lot? talking about the priest the priest yeah, yeah. and then like That's because he's never lived outside of the church right yeah. and then you've got jose marie who's like you know, on acid the, the entire time, LSD, whatever the fuck. He's just basically all, constantly on drugs. Jose Maria, like, yeah. Maria, yeah. And he's yeah. just like this metalhead that runs a record shop and does nothing else with his life. Or, and he's stupid and hilarious, too. And then right. you've got, um, what's his name? Uh, Carvan? Carvan? Carvan, yeah. Carvan, he's the, the character like Carvan, the, He's yeah. basically like a uh, mind reader, right. future teller, whatever the fuck he's supposed to be. Armando de Raza is his real name. But yeah. yeah. So he is like, I was trying to think of who to compare him to, but I'm thinking of magicians. The only thing I can think of is like the, the TV show in Ghostbusters 2 that fucking Bill Murray <laughs> did, where he was like the charlatan playing yeah. like doing this spoofy show. Oh, so yeah. I mean, he's basically just like, he can supposedly tell the future. Yeah. But he's like a weird, like gothy kind of like 
um, he reminds me of like Voltaire. Oh, yeah, or like a magician or something. A magician, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like ba- like David Blaine and Chris Angel put, put together. Yeah. But Spanish, and it's super weird. <laughs> but, which was hilarious. Um, but just watching them like fumble through all of this together is like really fucking funny. And it's also really serious. There's a lot of really dark tones in this movie, too, which um, I liked and I appreciated because it kind of takes you back out of the fact that it's it is a dark comedy, but it's still something serious. Like they're trying to not have the world fucking be taken over by Satan, right? Right. And they have to find the Antichrist, and they have to solve all these different like riddles and puzzles and shit to try and figure it out. And I don't know, watching them stumble through it is pretty cool. The only thing I was kind of frustrated with was the end because it got a little confusing. Yeah, it did. For kinda, me, yeah. I was like, well, what the fuck is going on? Kind of explains itself. Like I'm not gonna get into that right now. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it kind of explains itself in a way and almost like brings it brings it back into making sense but it gets real muddy i think what it is is that for so much work that they put into to finding him it really wasn't that big of a payoff exactly and that's 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 how i felt about it i was just like cool Uh, okay that's it right yeah you know and i don't know it was a little frustrating but then i ended up ultimately i loved how it completely like finalized ended sure which i thought was great yeah it was but very like yeah it was funny yeah it was smart and i i really enjoyed it but it's yeah how like, the reality really would be like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but you mentioned like you're not gonna see a movie like this anywhere else you're really not this is like it's it's its own unique entity i've never seen something like this before and i've seen movies the, that the, attempt it but not, yeah it's not like as they well. kind of try and follow it in their own ways like to try and make it like unique it in gets, a sense it but, always gets too spoofy yes like too much like Exactly. They go over the line. Exactly. That's the problem. But here they he found a way to like tightrope walk this line of keeping it very serious and really good and mm-hmm. also make it funny without falling into spoof land. Right. And that's fucking talent. Yeah. He does a really, really good job. And like I think that's kind of something that is prevalent in like most of his films because mm-hmm. um, he does the same in the last circus too okay yeah well no i definitely agree yeah. so he you know and and other works i'm gonna watch more of his stuff now but i kind of want to see if that's something that he plays around with a lot because in like a one interview that i found with him you know he's like uh, he says he's not a funny guy he's not a comedy writer but Oh, I'm he, like, you are. Shut you up. You know what it is? It's just because he's got like very dry humor. He does. And it, he's it's humor like, rust. You know, people, some people find it funny and I, you know, that's fine. And I'm like, I think you're funny, but whatever. So especially in stuff that he actually just like writes on his own. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I'm like, you're a funny guy. Like you have jokes, but either way. It's really an enjoyable movie. Some people aren't going to like this. And I mean, I, I don't really understand why, but I guess I could kind of see why someone wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. I definitely think it's worth a watch. It's going to, it's a cult classic film for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's so fucking bomb. If you can find it, find it, watch it, give it a chance. Um, overall, I would probably give it like eight and a half out of 10. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. Like, I really liked it. And I like, for its time, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, especially for a film from 1995. It doesn't feel like it's from 1995. Like, I feel like. I it, wasn't expecting that from you, to be honest. No, I really, really enjoyed it. I, you know, and I had to go back a couple of times to like watch, rewatch some things because I would miss some of the dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue because I'm so like focused on what's going on. Oh, it's it moves. It's fast. Yeah, yeah, and they don't do like they don't separate out the characters that are talking with the dialogues. You just have to try and remember their voices to figure out who it is. But uh, I mean, it's just there's so many funny things about it, like in here that 
just it's very much literally like three stooges trying to hunt down the antichrist it's funny you say that i got a comparison to it that you'll i think you'll you'll be like oh wow we actually were thinking the same thing yeah it's i i loved it i I didn't really think i would like it as much as i did but i really did okay so eight eight and a half out of ten i feel like um for me i would say you know it's the movie first of all the 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 concept of the movie about these three ragtag group teaming up to fucking kill satan is just sounds like a bad joke yeah like a priest a charlatan and a metalhead walk into a bar yeah you know what i mean like set up for a stupid dad joke right like the just the story of the priest in this movie alone uh the fact of like that he wants to get as close as he can to satan by committing as much evil as he possibly can to kill him is a very interesting concept even though it's kind of ridiculous it's 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 just interesting uh, and years ago i'd heard of this movie um there used to be a, a website or actually used to get these paper uh like a paper magazine that would be this thing called video junkies mm-hmm. and video junkies where you could like order all these movies from that were um I don't know. It was just really hard to find shit that, that yeah. you couldn't find. It was before like torrents and stuff like that. I mean, I think there was like LimeWire or some, not LimeWire. It was like uh, Napster. Oh, God. But what, like, you know, you would take like fucking, you know, five hours to download one fucking song like back in the day. <laughs> but anyway, it just kept getting pushed down to my list. And I don't know why I did that. I think it just like the trailer never really I- encouraged me to go see it. I had heard that people said they liked it. That's and then surprising to me that you hadn't seen it before now. No, I mean, I had seen some of it, but I never finished it. Like, I just I was like not in the mood for it at the time. I was like looking for like the grittiest, like fucked up fucking shit. Yeah. And it just got kept getting pushed off and pushed off. So and then I think I remember one of our listeners and I'm, I apologize if I forget your name, but somebody was like, oh, you should do that movie. I would love to see that movie. Uh, so here you are. Here we are. We're here now. The thing. <laughs> um, I'm also a huge fan of The Last Circus. So I saw that before I saw this. And um, as I mentioned before, me and Nick did the episode on that. And I just fell in love with him. Um, fell in love with Alex De La Iglesia with that movie. I just was blown away by it. So this little nutty movie, though, um, it has a really big concept, I think, uh, and it's actually really not that bad at all for, you know, barring a few moments where that have not really aged too well. Um, but I think Alex De La Iglesia is kind of one of those people that likes to do. He's not he doesn't shy away from things yeah, like different characters and stuff like that. Um, in his mind, I'm sure it's probably just like these are just characters. Calm down. It takes a little while for this movie to kind of kick off at first uh, until it gets into like the second and third act. That's where it really just keeps going and going, going, going. Um, but I really liked it. I think it's really quirky. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's He's pretty well known for doing a lot of really weird ass films anyway. So I kind of knew that it was going to be better than I thought it was. But for whatever reason, I was like, man, I hope it is. And I was I was actually pleasantly surprised. So. Um, he, he's really good at turning batshit concepts into like actual movies that, Shit that works. Yeah. Like you said, the tight roping thing, which I really agree with. Um, not all of his movies are like a perfect dismount off the bars, but they are still unique in their own right. And this is definitely one of those movies that I think is very unique and enjoyable. Um, it really does kind of push the boundaries. A lot of his movies also push the boundaries a lot, uh, with the storytelling because, you know, while a lot of American audiences, like, they have these, like, 
stupid morals and stuff like that. He really shows the underbelly of things, and I really like that. Uh, he's just rarely ever tropey. You know what I mean? Like, you you can watch his movie and think you know what's going to happen, but you won't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, this one's probably the most tropiest of them all, and it's really not. So, right. <laughs> um, but it's it's a it's a lot of fun. This is not a perfect film. You know what I mean? Like all the way through, like we mentioned at the end, it's kind of jarring. Like you, they spent so much time getting up to this like payoff and it kind of doesn't land there. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun watching a, you know, a few idiots run around causing mayhem, sinning, you know, the, the way that they followed the clues to get to Satan was like probably my favorite thing. Like how they were piecing it all together. Like some people would be like, Oh my God, it's a sign from God. You know, like on this thing, I just saw Jesus in bread. Uh, I, I need to go buy more bread or something like that or whatever. And these guys are doing it for the same in the same way, only for Satan. So they're like trying to track down Satan in this whole fucking movie, which is pretty funny, uh, or the Antichrist rather. Um, but to get to Satan, right? To kill him, uh, uh, the Antichrist. Yeah, and also, or if they can, Satan. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little bit long for I think for some people. It is a little long. Some of the jokes don't always land, but it's just so fucking ridiculous. It's hard not to be glued to the screen for most of the movie, you know, seeing what happens next. And in a lot of ways, the movie reminds me heavily of the aesthetic from Sam Raimi's movie called Crime Wave. Sam Raimi is notoriously known for being interested in the Three Stooges Hmm. and has applied that to all of his films for the most part. Um, Very... Like how they use the camera and stuff like yeah. that. Like it's all very similar to that. And like the kookiness of some of the characters. If you've seen the movie Crime Wave, then you'll 100% know what I'm talking about in the style, especially in the very beginning of the movie. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's wacky as shit. Uh, I love the beginning of Crime Wave. It's just great. Um, but it's, it's totally similar. I don't know how to explain it. So. And if you're looking for a bit of a, a silly version of uh, sinning with drugs and weird shit, you probably will like it. It's not going to make everyone laugh like crazy, like maybe like Brittany or I. Um, but like I mentioned before, it's unique. The sheer amount of connections that they make tracking down Satan is fucking impressive. Yeah. So I would say that for me, it's like a seven, maybe a 6.5 for me overall. Like I would definitely watch this again and I will if they put it out on Blu-ray, I'll buy it instantaneously. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. So I think you guys would enjoy it, though. I think it's it's silly, kind of tongue in... I don't want to say tongue in cheek. It's dry humor. Yeah, it's dry, dark humor. Right. And I agree with most of the stuff you said. Like, I love the camaraderie between all the characters, like the three main three. Yeah, I like how it builds. More specifically, probably Two. the metalhead and, and the, the priest, priest. Yeah. the most. Um, but... There's like a lot of really cool gem moments in this movie, and it, it kind of makes you root for evil. It totally and, does. And, and it's kind of cool because it's like, I don't know. Yeah, sin more so you can find, like, you can figure it out. Right. You know, it was it was fun. Yeah, I definitely I agree. I like for sin, so. There is some trivia on this movie, and this is probably going to be in our spoiler territory. Uh, I don't, you know, I tried to organize it so that it got more spoilery on, but... There's really not that much trivia. No, there's not on The Last Circus either. Yeah. I mean, I have the Blu-ray of The Last Circus, but... Oh, there's a making of on that. Yeah. I wanted to watch it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't I've been I recording I nonstop. It, I, I didn't watch the making of it. Yeah, whatever. 
But Alex de la Iglesia said that the story was an image that he had of a just like a regular harmless guy doing horrible things. And I'm sure that just led right into, well, who's the most innocent of them all? Well, a priest, right? You know, supposedly. Um, So that's how he got his concept for that. And it just spiraled out of, you know, from that thought. Um, Apparently, during the shooting, the, the crew and specifically Alex de la Iglesia, uh, received various death threats from so-called Satanist groups while they were making this movie. Weird. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, there was a claim that the this movie's story was plagiarized from an unpublished novel called La Luz, La Luz which is The Light, which was written by Tomas Cuvas and... Uh, it's a comp. It was basically a company. He worked with this guy in his, in this company, and apparently, or Alex De, De La Glacia worked with him. I guess at some point in time, and then this claim apparently has been defended. This is what it says here by a twenty minute amateur documentary called El Lado Oscuro del Clan Almodovar, the dark side of Almodovar's clan, in which uh, distorted voice lists proofs and coincidences, movie novel to defend the accusation of plagiarism. So hmm. it was apparently rejected in court too. So I thought that was interesting though. Yeah. Um, also, I was, I was like, how the fuck would he get a hold of it if it's not published? And then you're like, oh, he worked. He could have worked. Yeah. yeah. He could have easily overheard him, told yeah. him. And it just like, sometimes you don't even realize where you're pulling this shit from when you're creating it. So it's like, you, it's you know, so easy to do. Right. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think it's plagiarism. Yeah. He might have borrowed a few concepts without willingly, like, knowingly right, doing just it. Right, rolled with it. Yeah. Um, also, apparently, Santiago Seguera, who plays the metalhead guy, he um, says that he doesn't even like heavy metal at all. Boo. But my God, does he look like one, he huh? That's great. <laughs> He's like the like the most convincing per- one of the most convincing actors I've ever seen put into nineties even yeah, yeah like nineties he's so good and it's just, it fits so well and that's something that they fucking get wrong a lot dude I love him so much in this movie he's the best he's like my favorite him he's like the, a death metal the Jack Black are really good it's fucking hilarious them just the two of them together just bounce off each other so well so. yeah their relationship is really interesting funny enough that really one of the biggest tidbits i found on this that i i looked up uh it was on imdb uh but it said that the movie's moderate success in the u.s he actually alex de la iglesia sold the rights to this movie to make a remake an american remake which i kept thinking the whole time i was like oh man this should be remade and come to find out it actually would have been remade and alex de la iglesia would have gotten a bigger budget to do this again only for an american remake but he was offered the the director's chair for Alien Resurrection. Mm. Because for those of you who know the Alien franchise about the Resurrection, there was a lot of directors like up in the air. And I think it was the City of the Lost Children guy uh, who ended up. Yeah, I was like, it wasn't him. Getting the, the, the part. But yeah, a lot of people got upset about it because they were like, what the fuck? Uh, but yeah, Jean-Pierre Junet. Uh, actually ended up directing it. Uh, and I don't even know that he did the entire thing. <laughs> I don't think so. Because I, I, I always get so confused on that um, because I know that the beginning of the movie, it was like a completely different tone. And if you've seen any of his movies, like City of Lost Children, Delicatessen, I think even Amelie, they're all very like kind-hearted, like gentle-spoken things. So him doing, it was weird. But anyway, he got offered the chair for director uh, of Alien Resurrection, but... Neither of those projects ever came to fruition. 
Crazy. So he never even got the part or anything. So I wonder what it would have been like. I wonder who they would have cast. I think it would have been pretty cool. Who do you think would be a good role uh, for each of those roles? I feel like I could see Nick Cage being the charlatan. Yeah, that'd be dope. Like him being the fake guy. Like he'd be good at. Yeah, he'd be good. Right. And then I, mean, I that's such his personality. Who too. would be the priest and who would be the metalhead? Like, do you have anybody in mind? I think okay. I would pro- I would cast Jack Black as the metalhead. Just saying. I thought about that. He looks like a Spanish. Jack but he Black might be a little hair. too much. I don't think so. He's like in more recent stuff that I've seen with him. He can like reel stuff back. Okay. I don't know. He, I, I feel like they I've always been really like, impressed with him lately. I feel like they always got him like on a leash. Yeah. Like I'm like I feel like <laughs> although he does have kids so maybe he doesn't oh, unleash the fury. I, fucking, he's, I love him so much. Like he has a YouTube channel that he does with his kids. Aww. And they de- they edited and like that is and the film it and shit. Yeah, I thought that was really He's it. just so great. Everything about him is great. I, I mean, just, there's like, people really that would argue dude. it, but like, I mean, I don't care if you think he's funny or not. He's just a great person. I could see him doing it though. So Nicholas Cage fantastic. And then him playing the metalhead. Who who would play the priest though? Cuz it's got to be somebody that could um they need to be able to go back and forth between funny and silly or well, silly and serious. Yeah. But who would be that? God, they would probably go too wacky with it. I think so, and that's why I feel like, like I think Nick Cage could work for either. I, I think it would need the... to be a little bit more serious, so that's why I was like nervous about even saying Jack Black. But he is the first person that came to my mind too. Great, um, but I feel like he might be a little too so, over. Let's just do what everyone does. We'll cast away in the Rock Johnson. Oh no! <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no! 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 I don't hate him, but no. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Uh, He's in every movie ever made. Fuck, who is a good, um, who would play a good priest? Ooh, oh, what's his name that plays the leprechaun in, um, the leprechaun character in, uh, fuck my life. What? That TV show that just came out last year. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my God. American Gods. He plays a leprechaun oh. character in American Gods. He plays Pornstash in Orange is the New Black. That dude. You think he would be a good priest? I think he would be I think he would be good. I don't know. He's, he's a, a good too, actor. He's a little too burly. This that this character burly. The fucking Irish guy? Yeah, I like him. He's like a fucking beast. He's just tall. He's tall and skinny. Yeah, but I I would think of someone that would be shorter, a little bit more meek. Mm. I think he would work though. Uh I like him. Just, can they be older? I mean, they would kind of need to be. Older yeah. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Like, he's a good actor, and he's not. He's not hunky. He's older. Right. He's not necessarily hunky. I mean, I think he's super hot. I don't know. Like, I can't look, think of one. If you just look one, at so. him, I, th- I feel like he could definitely play a priest. I don't know. He's so like rough, and I can't think of anyone else to really like. Everybody's probably like cringing at all of our choices. I don't think <laughs> there's so. like one person, or, like every single person has an issue with one of the characters probably. we picked. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but whatever, guys, we're just we're just the- theorizing who it might be, who it oh, would be. Let's cast Scarlett Johansson because they cast her in everything too. Oh, as Mina or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'll listen. Say as the priest character, we'll make her a vo- make her. She's now. she's the hostel, uh, the, the hotel owner. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, there are some scenes obviously that we're going to talk about, and there was quite a few in this one that uh, we're probably going to go down the list. But what was your earliest scene that uh, that stood out for you? The first like five minutes of this movie are probably like my favorite. Really? Not like my favorite entirely, but they're pretty great. Okay. So well, it's it's what like drew me into being interested what particular scene so the first one 
when he's like he's talking to this other priest and explaining to him about how you know he knows that the antichrist is going to be born such and such whatever he's got to like go kill it he figured out the code yeah he's figured out the code and he's saying he's basically going to go sin a lot or whatever and try and like and the guy basically agrees to help him and then all of a sudden a giant cross falls on top of him and crushes him and i was like cool (laughs) (laughs) guess you can't help but okay so then he like ends up in the city and he's just like doing a bunch of random sinning, like just little, little, just things. little things. Like he yeah. he does something small and then graduates to worse and worse yeah, things. Yeah, he steals a homeless guy's. Yeah, change. he takes change out of a homeless guy's little cup or whatever. And then there's a guy that was in like an accident or something, and he comes up to like make it look like he's going to give him last rites or whatever. Yeah, and the then police he, like, officer says, "Can you give him the last rites?" Yeah, and then he leans into his leans to him and he takes his wallet and tells him i'll see you in hell and i was like holy shit (laughs) and then my favorite part was walking down the street and there's like a street performer that's like standing up on like a ledge one of those like i can't couldn't tell if he's supposed to be a mime or if he's like one of the silver painted people anyway at one point he's just like holding still like trying to be in character and the priest just like looks around for a second and then pushes him and he falls backwards (laughs) like down this like subway hole or whatever and i was laughing so fucking hard yeah i don't know why but it was so funny to me yeah no, those are those are all great moments. Yeah, for so sure. Good. So fucking because ridiculous. he's such a like a tender guy. Like he looks he's, like a sweetheart. That's why. That's why I was saying like I couldn't just picture Ian Shane like as just a sweet guy a hundred percent. Yeah, like you know what I mean. It has to be someone that you just like as a you just like oh he's not a oh I look at like an all person. Yeah, okay. you know what I mean. Because he's cute in this movie. You know what I mean. Like he's cute. Yeah. But he's also kind of cool, like, when he gets, like, into he's, it. He's, like, sort of a badass. Yeah. <laughs> he's a fumbly badass, but he's got, uh, he's got some badass chops. I love when he goes to the, the fucking the record store where he <laughs> meets the metal hen, and he's like, hey, uh, and he's like, hey, what's up? What are you, like, he's like, kind of like, why are you here? But then he's like, also like, holy shit, the priest loves metal. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, what are you looking for, man? He's like, uh, anything uh, to, uh, like, satanic or anything. And then they're like, he's going through all the records and stuff like that. Apparently they had some stuff in there that was like, uh, in Spanish, like ACDC, but in Spanish. Yeah. You know, and like, they had all their other ones that they couldn't use. But I saw Slayer. I saw Cannibal Corpse on the wall. He said Iron Maiden. Yeah, he did say Iron Man. He was like, ooh, heavy, man. Heavy. Yeah, he said heavy in response to everything. (laughs) That was like his cool. He would say heavy, and I was like, hilarious. But the the reason I bring that up is because he tells the priest to go to his uh, mother's... Yeah, it's his mom's hostel. His his mother's hostel where he lives uh, with his dad and this other chick named Mina. Um, And they basically run a hostel there. It's his granddad. Yeah, is it his granddad? Yes. Well, he no, because that's the thing. He in says Spain, they say, or in the translations, they always say granddad, even in the the last circus. But it is their father. Oh, okay, whatever. So his father was the naked dude with the dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always like a little dick too. Yeah, you know, like, like, I loved his character, even though he did nothing. Yeah, I was like I like this guy. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of that guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, the fucking uh, the silent uh, native guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but anyway, they go back to the, the, the place. They give him the priest a place and Mina's kind of smitten by him a little bit, the priest for some reason, because she's like a virgin. Uh, you find that out later, but, um, but the priest in the morning sits down to talk to Jose, who's sitting at the table eating food and like his mother who owns the hostel. Uh, she goes up to the priest and she's like, 
talking to him in front of Jose, and he's like, oh, that's nice, but I'm trying to talk to Jose, and she just elbows him in the face, like her her son in the face, and he falls back like it's nothing. And then then Jose's father walks in with a a robe on and no pants. I was like, what the fuck? He's just naked underneath the open robe. I was like, ew. Right. And then so Jose's like, he, he, he proceeds to feed him a, a dose of acid. He's like to jazz him up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this just jazzes him up a bit. And I was like, a, a bit? <laughs> right. He's like, and then he offers the priest one and, and then takes one himself. And the priest <laughs> asks him to help basically evoke the devil. That whole scene was like really cool for me. I like that. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? or? Um... um... I like when the, when he um when they succeed essentially in kidnapping Kavan. Right. Like that whole thing and then him accidentally chasing the girl and she falls down the stairs like his girlfriend cuz they were going to use her blood. Oh for yeah. For the ritual or whatever. Right. Um, but she's not a virgin. But she's not a virgin. Yeah. yeah, but then she's basically like almost dead. That whole thing was really fun too. It was that scene's really interesting and I love when he's um carving the pentagram the pentacle into the ground with his knife and he uses that later like to oh yeah to convince him to talk to him on the phone he's like tell him i'm the guy who fucked up his floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny and i think it's like oh he says you wrote it in your book or whatever like to do that and he's like this book's all bullshit <laughs> like, yeah he's he like, admits it's all crap and i just like, sell it to try to because you idiots buy it basically basically yeah but the funny thing is like right before that all happened though where before they do the rituals and all that there's that scene where uh, Kavan, the, the charlatan magician guy, uh, he he's like going to the store. Yes, I the love that part. The convenience store. Yeah. That's my one of my favorite I, parts. Oh, I can't believe I almost forgot about that. That's the scene I told Mouse about. So like, there's it's funny because like it's before the priest finds where he lives. Yeah, and that's how he cause, finds because the priest is trying to track down Kavan to get help to find Satan. And meanwhile, like Satan's like basically all over the place right in front of him. Yeah. And like there's this like group of hoodlums that they talk about on the news who are like fucking killing people and killing and burning bums alive yeah. in the streets. And then they like clean up the streets. They write They're, on the wall they or something. They write um, clean up Madrid. Clean up Madrid. Yeah. And uh, they, they set the homeless on fire and like rob convenience stores and stuff. So the, like the priest is like doing all this supposed evil stuff but really it's like nothing Not compared really. to these guys because they're just murdering people mm-hmm. but like Kavan's going to the store and these bunch of guys like run out of the store and he walks in and he <laughs> And he's like grabbing a bottle of champagne next to this dude who's got his neck cut open and his head bashed in, and he's like broken the glass and the and the cooler right next to the fucking champagne. He like practically has to step over his body. Yeah, goes to the front. and He's like, here, you can put that in the counter uh, in the in the cash register. I'll that's I'll more than enough. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, and the guy behind the counter is dead. Yeah, like everyone's dead, and he's just like doesn't, doesn't even, even care. And I yeah. was like, wait, does he? I don't is, think he noticed. I was like, are they trying to say that he's like Satan or something? Because at first I was like, oh, maybe. I think he was just so out of it, like not paying attention. Right. That he just because I've been there. Like I, I've totally like missed like obvious things a million times. Cause yeah, I but that was pretty obvious. Sidetracked, but yeah, seriously, I was like, all right, then either he's seeing it and ignoring it, or he just is oblivious as fuck. I think he just doesn't care about anybody else's stuff yeah, but himself. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but that was I loved that scene too, and I can't believe I forgot it. I skipped over it. Right. They. But the funny thing is, you were mentioning how she needed to get the blood. 
And they, they're like, he, she's not a virgin, trust me. Yeah. And he's like dragging her up the like, stairs, the, banging her head. With them titties, she's not a virgin. <laughs> Those are great titties. <laughs> uh, she was actually in a James Bond movie. Really? Uh, one of the last she ones the with Pierce, Bronson, uh, Pierce Brosnan. She a Bond babe? Bond girl? Yeah, she was, well, she was, I don't know if she was like one of the main ones, but I know she was in it. Dope. But there was that scene where he had to go to get the blood from, from Mina. From Mina. That whole fucking scene was fucking kind of fucked up. Yeah, it was a big weird clusterfuck. It was like it was like the sweetest way to like knock out somebody. They tried to make it seem sexual, but it wasn't sexual. Not and, at all. And she thought it was sexual because he asked her if she's a virgin and Yeah. And then he like drags her into his room, but then the hostile lady sees it and she pulls out a shotgun. That was dope. That was fucking awesome. That whole scenario right there. Oh, it was so good. And it's funny because she talks about when she's like yelling at Mina for letting him in when the priest first got there. Right. She says something about if one of these people like tries to come in, I'm going to shoot their balls off with the shotgun or some shit. Right. And she goes off on this whole tangent about it, which is really funny. And then it like essentially it comes to that moment where she can actually do it. And she goes and gets the shotgun, and I was like, fuck yeah! Yeah, like, he dives under the bed, too, and she shoots she, his ear off. Yeah, it was so fucking... How this guy doesn't die, and the many, many horrible things that happened to him from this point is insane to me. God must have been on his side. I you know? guess. <laughs> but, yeah, and then he ends up fucking, like, kicking her down the stairs, and she gets stuck by her well, dress upside down. she's chasing him, and then he trips her or something, because she's yeah. about to kill him, and yeah, she hits every banister of the railing all the way down, because she falls like... It's one of those, like, staircases that, that go all the way around the walls, so it's like... She, but it's, like, really close together, so she's, like, hitting every railing on yeah. the way down. I was like, how many fucking stairs are in this place? And <laughs> Mouse is all, apparently, a lot. <laughs> I didn't even realize there was that many. It was hilarious. And then she's all just hanging there by her she gets caught by her dress you don't even know she's, she's dead like, really she's totally dead you think yeah he apologizes for like killing his mom oh he did yeah. oh <laughs> oh well no i don't think he apologized for killing her he said he says something about it oh yeah he, and then he accidentally he, killed his mother because he just whatever. shrugs it off he's like oh, oh whatever yeah <laughs> she's probably well she's a bitch anyway it's fine so they that's remember and because we did the horror shot they did that like whole ritual yeah which was kind of cool because yeah. they, they show the uh, the black Philip goat. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? That comes up on its hind legs, and that's how they. That's when they all believe. Well, that's when Kavan finally believes. Right, because he's all he thinks it's happening. a joke. Yeah, yeah. He just thinks they're crazy. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love when they're doing the ritual, and he was like, "You got to cut your finger, and you got to put it on the fucking note, and now you got to burn it." And he was like, "Is that it?" <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's it. That doesn't do anything. What did you think it was going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and walks a goat. Right. Black goat. And you're like, okay, then. And then he gets a message on like the burnt paper. Right. That I thought that was really cool. Like mm -hmm. where they, 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 they found letters in the burnt paper. Mm -hmm. And then it says, this isn't a game. That's cool. Yeah. They're like, there could be nine, 9,760,543, you know, different combinations. And the fucking metalhead stupid guy figures it out literally in like that instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbass. He's like, oh, it's so cool. Constantly frying on acid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. I like the, how the whole thing leading up to how they find where to find the Antichrist, where it's supposed to be born, like to find the devil's mark. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, um, they really spent a lot of time on that. Like, they it did, was... but it's cool. Like the build up to that actually pays off in the yeah. end. But one thing that I thought was really funny is in 
this is my it's gonna sound kind of weird but in like girls underwear if there's no tags at least in like all the underwear that i own that doesn't have tags on it mm-hmm. they put a mark exactly like that really in the back part to mark where your butt's supposed to go on the underwear like oh, the butt i didn't part know of the that underwear. that's some funny. of it some of it's the front of it just depending on like the brand or whatever but yeah it's it made me laugh because they already compare ovary um the fucking uterus and like ovaries and fallopian tubes and shit to like a um to see baphomet's head or whatever to like satanism and i'm like yeah we are we're the mark of the beast we are all satanists (laughs) (laughs) women are satan you're welcome but i thought that was really funny i was like where have I seen that before? And then I got yeah. dressed the next morning, and I was like, that's where it is. I really loved how they follow all those loose lines to Yeah, Satan. it's cool. And then from that point on, it just gets kind of weird, but... Yeah, the the one thing that I thought was also really funny was when they were... The Metalhead, Kavan, oh, like- and they're on the fucking lights, and they go out the that window. Was funny. and they And he's, like, dropping, and they're, like, catching him so he doesn't die. <laughs> he's like, whatever, I can fly! <laughs> and they're blitzed on acid, like... Yeah. And, and he's just like hanging. <laughs> he's laughing the whole time. Yeah. Which is like really like it's like a weird moment. And he does it more than once, too. So it's this like. This is why I think Jack Black would be great as that metal. Oh, character. that would be funny with him. huh? Because he would kill it. Yeah, that that's true. That part is pretty ridiculous. So good. He would, that's a good I would point. love it so much. He would make that funnier to me. I mean, it was funny, but it was also like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, right. But I think he would be great in that scene in particular. But I like when they go to the. um. He goes to see that band, like Satanica. Satanica, or yeah, with a K at the end. I was like, "That's a dope ass fucking club." Yeah, <laughs> with the band well, the- behind a chain link fence, and then the girls go going that actually look cool. Well, it kept saying it was Inferno. Inferno, yeah. And then they were like, but "Well, they that were- means hell." Yeah, they were calling it Club Hell. Yeah, but it just says Inferno. Everywhere. They're like, "Perfect, that's the place." <laughs> Like, so the priest goes there because he's like, well, it is hell, so maybe I can find Satan there. And then there's like a happens to be a pregnant, like, metalhead chick. <laughs> yeah. And Hades is like, he's like trying to touch her stomach and shit. Like, what the fuck? Then he gets his ass beat and his head shoved into a toilet. Oh, urinal. yeah. Yeah. He gets that his, was kind of dark he, right yeah, there. Yeah. He gets his ass fucking kicked by like five different people. Then they shut, they throw him head first into a urinal that breaks, like a ceramic urinal. And I'm like, how was this dude not dead? Yeah. And that was and very clearly not him. Shortly after actor. that, he flies out of the car. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on here? Like, how are you alive? <laughs> right. And then Kavan, they run, bump into Kavan and Kavan or Kavan uh, is actually like finds out the marks, explains it. And he's uh, as he's explaining, he's like, I found where the marks are. And they're like, well, where is it? And he's like, turn around. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was dope. <laughs> that scene was cool. I like it all backlit like that. It looked really cool. They hear a baby crying, too. And it's like these homeless people that have a baby, I guess. And then all those guys that were like killing all those people are there and attack them. And they shoot up the baby and anyone who's like whatever's underneath this like cardboard box yeah so it kind of makes you wonder like well was that the antichrist i think it was why did why would they shoot their own i don't know and that's like when i read uh like read synopsis back they say that the priest shot them and i'm like no he didn't no he didn't yeah Yeah, it was one of those thugs exactly and that's what i got confused about but then they find out that one of the thugs is actually satan right because because the priest sees him as satan i think maybe he was like i can just do this shit myself at that point maybe satan was just like fuck it like they figured it out they're gonna kill him anyway so then they just tried to kill the priest in the process and then the antichrist just was collateral damage Hmm. I That's don't know. The only way I can it is a little confusing it. because, like, they do show one of the thug guys who just suddenly has walks around on hooves 
Uh, I <laughs> and like this his, weird I like, like that character. That beast creature was cool. He has like this weird like deer looking face, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I don't. I mean, it's cool, but it's very anticlimactic. And then at the very end, it flashes like he sh- the priest shoots over his shoulder and shoots the guy who was a thug who was also Satan. Yeah, the one thug supposedly Satan. The one, and then he kills him. Right. Uh, and it makes no sense. And then the movie ends and you see this lookalike to Kavan on the TV who is now taking over Kavan's show. And Kavan was like on fire and he put him out because they like poured that shit all over yeah, him to burn him. Yeah, they were on fire too. Yeah. yeah. Which they had that moment which was pretty funny. It was like, hey, we, can you predict what's going to happen next? Yeah, but yeah, like, I can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to be on fire. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh, shit. But why don't you explain the end? Um, like, what so- you liked? After you see the the guy that's like the new Kavan or whatever on TV, and then it just flashes to the priest and Kavan, the actual characters, like sitting on a park bench. Right. And burnt Kavan and burnt like half of his face is all burnt up. And um, but the makeup on that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really it's further in the future. Yeah, it's a couple years later. They have apparently disappeared and nobody knows where they are. Yeah, and they're like they look like they're homeless people, like because I'm pretty sure they are. And they're basically just like, yeah, so we saved the world. That's cool. And then they just like walk off into the sunset together. And I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Kavan says he's like, man, we fucking saved the world for all these people. They don't even know. And they don't even know, and we can't even tell anybody. Mm-hmm. He's like, and they're like, he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Let's go find a spot to sleep. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what he says. Is yeah. It, did he say that's how it works? I think it was something like that. Yeah. He was like, but yeah, no, it's just a quaint little ending it there. Cute. It's cute. But yeah, I oh, definitely liked it. The metalhead guy dies. He gets thrown off a building. Oh, that's right. That was sad. They don't show his death, but they he, don't. But you know, he's he does die. it to save the priest. So in yeah. a way, it's a sad. He became a good guy. Yeah, he redeemed himself in the right. end. Right, um, redemption. He's gonna go to heaven now. But yeah, man, I, I'm I'm pretty happy about seeing that movie. Yeah, I uh, liked it. I hope I can. I hope they do a real legit copy that we can watch. But I don't know how well it would sell, and I wonder if Criterion Collection would do it or. Probably. You know what I mean? I don't know why not. I don't know. They're running out of uh, stuff to like do, so it's like might as well. I don't know. <laughs> um, we've seen sillier movies than that, uh, like House. Halsu, the God, Japanese one. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Um, but we do have another movie that we're going to be talking about by Alex de la Iglesia. And Brittany, why don't you kick it off? The next movie we're going to talk about is called The Last Circus, which came out in 2010. And I can't remember the Spanish title. It's something about Ballad of a Sad Trumpet. Uh, Ballada Triste de Trompeta. Which is Ballad of Sad Trumpet. Yeah. Um, which is a running theme throughout the middle to end of this movie. Yeah, there's like little little parts in the movie that yeah. kind of touch on those, yeah. Um, it's about a young trapeze artist that must decide between her lust for Sergio, the happy clown, or her affections for Javier, the sad clown, both of whom are deeply disturbed. See, now that, I have a problem with that. I because it. it really isn't even about her. It, it is not, about, it's about her. It's, it's about Javier. It's about those two guys. Yeah, it's mostly about Javier and then Sergio. This love triangle. Right. Yeah. So... Whatever. I was like, that's fine. And I didn't feel like writing my own right. synopsis e caption for it. So I was like, this is cool. Um, it was both directed and written by Alex de la Iglesia. Um, it stars Carlos Arises, who plays Javier, the sad clown. He's in Game of Werewolves, Ghost Graduation, Witching and Bitching, and The Bastard's Fig Tree. Mm-hmm. It also has Antonio de la Torre, who plays Sergio, the happy clown. 
He was in Cannibal, The Realm, Neon Flesh, and Marshland. They all have a lot of, all the actors that I'm going to be talking about have a lot of credits, a lot of um, Spanish television credits and just like Spanish movie credits in general. They all have pretty long lists of shit that they've done, Mm -hmm. but I just kind of picked random shit. That's fine. Um, Also has Carolina Bang, who plays Natalia. She's in Skins, the web therapy TV series, and also Witching and Bitching. Mm-hmm. Manuel Talafay, who plays Ramiro, who is in The Day of the Beast, 800 Bullets, and The Queen of Spain, among a bunch of other things. And Alejandro Tejarius, who plays, I just like his name, Motorista Fantasma, or <laughs> Ghost Rider. He was in Rendezvous, the birthday Made in China TV series. And last but not least, Sancho Gracia, who plays Colonel Salcedo, who was in The Crime of Padre Amaro, Inferno, and House of a Thousand Dolls. Mm-hmm. And a metric fuckton of other movies because his credit list is very long. Um, this had an estimated budget of 7,000 euros, or 7,000, 7 million euros, which is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, actually, yeah. Um, opening weekend in Spain. But they did a lot with it, to be honest. They really did. Um, opening weekend in Spain, it only brought in about six hundred and uh, six hundred forty-seven ish euro thousand euros, mm. which is crazy. And this was from December of twenty ten. Well, he's pretty much like, but a it was a limited release film, cult, cult kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Opening weekend in the United States in August of two thousand eleven to a limited release, it only brought about forty-eight thousand forty-four thousand eight hundred dollars. That's pretty good, actually. I, I was like. Meh. So gross United States as of November 2011 is 40,000. I'm sure well yeah, but I'm sure it I mean if it did like uh yeah, that's like half as much as they did in in Spain. Right. So yeah, I mean that's interesting. Um but yeah, I mean overall I felt like it was pretty good cuz this was definitely a very limited released film. Right. So It's considered an independent technically. Which is crazy yeah. cuz that's a lot of fucking money. Right. budget, but I don't know. What did you think about this overall? Oh, man. Well, this is not my first time seeing it, obviously, yeah, as same. I've mentioned before. Um, something that um, I didn't get to mention in the, the first movie that I want to wait to talk about in this uh, particular film is I really admire Alex de la Iglesia that he and his writing and his direction isn't black or white, and I mean that in not some sort of racial way. I just mean like it's not two choices. Like right. his writing isn't just two choices. His writing of the character specifically is is very in depth. A lot. He goes a lot of places and focuses on that middle ground with the characters. That which I I I don't think is always so clear. Like some people in modern society need it to be these days like you know what i mean like some people are like good or bad you know there is no in between Mm -hmm. you're either good or bad and with his characters they're so deep and there's so many dimensions to the characters that it's hard not to like them because you instantly see their flaws and they're good and they're bad you know what i mean and he really blurs that line pretty heavily so every character right even like that has the smallest role right and i love that dude like he shows their flaws like a real human being Mm -hmm. Uh, even though his kind of the way he does things is really different but you know i think he shows like how good people do bad things or are flawed while bad people can do good things and have good possible things that they do or just that the world and our emotions and relations are more complex than most movies portray i think 
So, but uh, I think if you're looking at it from a realistic perspective, I think we're all a little broken in some way. And I think he's really good about shining a light on that, even if it's a silly kind of movie. Mm -hmm. So, but to like a regular viewer, someone that's like a casual viewer of movies that doesn't really think about this, they might even think it's like exploitative garbage, you know, like some of the scenes of these movies, like, oh, they just did that for shock or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I don't think so. Like, I think he really just gets off on like how how fucked up and broken we all are. Right. And he points it out. And I just love that. I know I've, I've kind of re mentioned it, but I just, I like that he doesn't shy away from these like social faux pas to show in movies. Cause in America, it's all about that. You know what I mean? It's like perfection, this and that. And, and it's too hard to like have the subtle nuances of a, of a character. And this one really does like i don't know it's just something about it so but i think a lot of actors and actresses are in the day of the beast as well like they all there's like pretty much every single one of them other than gavon have been in this movie too like they all played parts like the police officer chief with the weird eye mm-hmm. he was in this movie yeah the priest the was dude, in this the movie dogs. yeah uh the fucking the the guy who was the metalhead was the 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 father of mm-hmm. fucking Javier. So it was just nice to see them back. And obviously he worked. They work well. Yeah, with he fucking, uses a lot of the same actors and actresses. Yeah, it tends to happen when you have a pretty close knit group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't blame him because I love them all. Yeah. So, but I like the idea of the sad clown and how it's like this fake world that we're supposed to be, you know, happy in like the circus. But he shows that underbelly again of the circus and like how fucked up people are, not necessarily pointing at the circus and saying circuses are fucked up. He just happened to choose the circus as his set piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's the perfect way to display comedy and tragedy. Right. And it, and it's also like the movie is like all about like becoming yourself, uh, falling in love, changing yourself for other people, trying to change other people and not being able to. And like, so it's, it's like, it's a really, there's a lot going on. Yeah. It's, it's heavy. Yeah, it is actually kind of heavy, but they do it in this, like, the most insane way possible. So, like, the whole story is just so interesting to watch. Even if it's just a mundane little idea, the way they go about it, you'll never see a movie like this. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's excellent. I love the the circus theme in this, and I love that they did it in the old style, too. Like, the costumes, very, very traditional very, style. Like, 20s and 30s. Right. Well, this is supposed to take place circus. in, like, the 70s. The 70s. Yeah, yeah. in Spain. So, um, be a little behind culturally. I think that was a good choice, though. I thought it was really awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the third act of this film definitely goes way off the rails, um, in the best way possible, though. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's a little spotty, like in flow, I think. But you'll you'll just be drawn to the movie anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and for horror fans, if you guys are wondering if this is a horror fan, technically no. But there is enough weird shit in this movie that you will be like, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this. Yeah. Because there is there even is some gore too. It's surprisingly. Um, yeah. There's a lot of blood and gore in this. Uh, not not as much as you'd like. And there's dicks. You know. If you if you're into dicks, I guess it's never the dicks I want to see. Everybody's into dicks. Come on, everybody loves dicks. <laughs> dicks are great. I love mine. <laughs> I love mine too. Yeah, one day it'll <laughs> fall off. Uh, that's my mommy told me. No, I'm kidding. She didn't they say keep that. Keep tugging on it. It's gonna fall off. <laughs> 
But uh, I don't know. I think it definitely has enough in there for you guys to enjoy. If you if you can get into cult films, you can definitely get into this one. Uh, but it is definitely not a horror, quote unquote, film. Whatever. So, but it's definitely. I think you know. I think it's fine. So, but what about you? I mean, you've obviously seen this before, and yeah, I love this. movie. It was her suggestion. So. I ab- absolutely love this movie. Um, I'm obsessed with anything circus or clown related. Period. So, because mm-hmm. I have a big old clown fetish, I've said this a million times. It's not a secret. Anything circus too, especially like dating back to like the 70s and prior circus. Like the older, the better. Mm-hmm. I'm super into it. I love old timey freak shows and circus acts and shit like that is fucking brilliant to me. And I like when they go back to those time frames and those time periods. Sure. And, and this movie is it's it's kind of a like a political film in Even? a way oh, too. Kinda. Um, which I forgot about from seeing it the first time. But it, the first probably like twenty ish minutes um to lead up into Javier becoming the sad clown, you know, it's it's very it's it's war. It's the Spanish Civil War, and then we finally like progress forward into the seventies, which is now Javier's an adult, and like, but we have to f- get the backstory on why he becomes who he becomes. So it's it's completely right. necessary. Like his whole um, life is built on pain, so right? Of, yeah. And it's interesting because that's what his father says to him is that is basically like you can't be a happy clown. Your whole you've never had a childhood. Your whole life is death. Yeah. And tragedy and sadness. This and, is what you're supposed to be. Yeah, you're meant to be a sad clown if you're going to be a clown. Like. You have to do that. And, you know, so you need to see that build up. It's really good. Um, the first, oh, you know, it's just brilliant. There's so many good choices that are made in this movie with who he chose to play, which characters are played. The costuming and the wardrobe is fucking fantastic. The makeup is amazing. Mm-hmm. Everything works together. Everything it shouldn't. So much of it should not work. Like it's just like you look at it on paper and it sounds fucking crazy and like this total mess. Like somebody just spilled an entire bottle of ink and was like, "Yeah, let's make a movie out of it." Right. You know. Like and there's, there's so many it, like it, nice nuggets in this film. Yeah. Like moments. It, there really are, and it just it should not fucking work whatsoever. And it does, like, because it's just, this is what Alex D. Iglesias is able to do. Right. You know, he can take bananas, batshit, bonkers-ass fucking ideas, put them all together in a cauldron, circle it around a little bit, and then pop it in the oven, and this is what you get. This amazing fucking movie that pans out the way that you, it shouldn't. It's the but characters, man, I'm telling you. It really it's is. how and he spends the time so, with the characters. Yeah, he's so talented. The smallest fucking bit character that's on screen for two seconds, you feel like you know them. Like, it's they're all very relatable, and yeah. they play very well. And it, it he writes everyone just f- so brilliantly, and it's all very like well, fluid. I will say one thing though: there are a couple of moments in the film that I was like, it was a little uh, breaking, you know, in logic. Yeah, just, just because, like, I'm like, wait a second, but it's like all about friendships and sticking together and war and right, like pain and it. Kind of how I took this too, like where my brain went as far as the symbolisms between the happy clown and the sad clown, especially mm-hmm. like towards the middle ish of the movie, because it comes off of this whole Spanish Civil War like background. The characters can almost be one side of the war versus the other oh, side. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and then she's. Natalia is basically like everyone else, <laughs> I guess, like in the middle that's stuck, you know what I mean? Trying to make like a choice between like good or evil. Right. Or whatever. But there's things that they really like about the evil, but there's things that they really like about the good. And it's well, it's maybe crazy. they're maybe they're pointing out the fact that there's just war in every way. You can you can see war in anything. Yeah. 
you know, unless you are just willing to accept life for what it is. Right. And then it all comes down to just a general like focus on how some people are just drawn to horrible things and you can't change yourself in any way to get them to choose you over that. Like it's right. You shouldn't change yourself for somebody. You shouldn't change yourself for someone else. Yeah. Because most of the time it's not going to work out in your favor anyway. So don't fucking do it. And people are damaged and they like certain things that aren't good for them. Exactly. People are fucking fucked up. Yeah. And it's just the human condition, you know, it's it's interesting to see how people are bred to be the way that they are and like what turns them the way that they are and like how Javier was able to maintain this like innocence for as long as he did. He was is mm-hmm. it's astonishing to me. I don't know. I love watching him break, too. It's just there's I don't, he made so many smart choices in this fucking movie. I love it so much. Oh, it's it's probably one of his strongest films. It's so good. Yeah, I, I think that of the ones think, that I've seen, this is definitely my favorite. But it's like oh, when yeah. you give him a big budget and he gets to write the shit and direct it. This yeah. is what you get. And holy fuck, man. This well, that's badass. that seems to be the uh, thing nowadays, though, is that they they want other people writing it. But I've noticed that when some of my favorite movies are people who wrote and, and directed those movies you know what i mean not always but you know and this one's also dark humor very dark comedy as well there's a lot of really funny moments in here in there some of them you have to really pay attention to catch them but there's a lot of just generally funny things that happen um a lot of really good visuals too it's yeah it's visually fucking stunning like the how they colored this entire movie is so cool and they go back and forth between like different views and holy fuck it's just astonishing to me i don't know plus the way that they like don't he doesn't shy away from like anything dude no he doesn't like he he takes you there like there's so many moments where you're just like ooh, yeah ooh, this person's fucked up right and i like the fact that he leans into it instead of backs off of it and because it makes it because that's the story exactly it makes it that much more believable and you're able to follow it that much that much more i don't know i loved it right so i like this movie i like i appreciated it more now because i was actually really able to like consciously grasp everything that was going on from Mm -hmm. when i first saw this back in 2010 so 2011 whatever but i still love it i love it even more now yeah i always recommend it to people because it's like they're what would you give this a movie this is a nine out of ten for me yeah me too i think i gave it like a nine or honestly yeah it's definitely a, a nine because I don't. I wouldn't want to watch this. I mean, I do. I wouldn't mind watching this every year. Yeah, I could. But it's. 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 I don't know. It's nice to savor it and want it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. You know, because like if it you, was kind of nice not having watched it since like 2010 or. 11. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably like 8.59, but I. I really do think it's a beautiful film, and and it's dark and fucked up and like brutal as fuck sometimes, and like just like what the fuck? Yeah, like it's really, really, really fucking good. He's got a pretty good vision, and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see other stuff from him. I want more. It you, I, I would Miller. taper your expectations after seeing Last Circus. Yeah, it, 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 I think that's probably probably the highest caliber of his work yeah (laughs) damn it i I mean there's other stuff but maybe i need to watch it again to really get a feel for it but yeah 2010 boo if you are like blowing your load for the last circus you yeah might want to taper it but damn it so did was there any trivia on oh uh yeah on this um not a lot but there was a little bit so so in the (laughs) beginning opening credits um of this movie which are fucking awesome by the way, they were done by David Guatia. Guaita? I uh, can't fucking say it. How, do, how is it spelled? G-U-A-I-T-A. Guaita? Guaita? 
David Guida. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like iconography in this of like politics and religion and culture that are all spliced together to kind of extract like almost 40 years of Spanish psyche under a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So there, even though it's not necessarily like a political film, there's a lot of like ideological context in it that kind of makes you think that. Okay. But the opening credits pretty much effectively represent the making of this like fractured, disturbed modern Spain. But in one of the scenes in particular, they show... A still from Cannibal Holocaust. I saw that, yeah. It's the chick And I was like, is she in that movie? And I was like, no, it's not her. (laughs) Um, But Luis Varela, who plays Manuel in this movie, Mm -hmm. actually dubbed the voice of Carl Gabriel York in Cannibal Holocaust in Spanish. And I was like, cute. (laughs) So that's why. That's That's the correlation. And I was like... What the fuck? Yeah, because I pointed that out to Christina. I was like, mm-hmm. that was Cannibal Holocaust, and they show her. Right. Yeah. And that's part of, like, you know, part of the culture idea of what they were doing, too, to, like, build this whole, Pain like, psyche yeah. of Spain at the time, essentially, right. is what they were trying to build up to, which I thought was really cool. I don't remember the intro very much from the last time I saw it. I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't either. You know, to be honest, that whole scene where he goes in. I didn't remember the beginning at all. And, and by the way, this is spoiler territory, guys, just so you know. Uh, so I'm going to give you five seconds. <laughs> Two, three, four, and get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> um, I just want to mention that I don't mean to keep interrupting you, no, you're but fine. fuck, now I lost. Oh, where they go into the theater and they have the Ballad of the La Trompeta, the, like Ballad oh, of De Trista. That, scene, yeah. that song, holy fuck, I, that gives me chills every oh, yeah, time I, I listen yeah, to it. Same. And I listen to it like regularly, it's which beautiful. is really weird. Uh, but I just love that song. But I thought that's how the movie opened up. So I was like, oh. did they remove it from this version? Uh-uh. So I got a little confused, but it's been a while. So yeah, it's been like seven years at least Literally, since I've yeah. seen this movie. Been forever. I completely forgot about the first like 30 minutes of the movie. So right. I was like, well, what the fuck is happening? Part of that whole point of doing that whole opening credit scene mm-hmm. or whatever with all these things spliced together as well as the first like introduction of his father and the circus then and the war and the fruit like the coming after of that and like Mm -hmm. how javier is built the way that he is it kind of helps to like lock this into this concrete time and space um in the way that all these historical events are kind of threaded through the film that's why they did it that way right and it's either in the form of like through that or through the television shows and like the newscasts that go on Mm -hmm. throughout the movie there's a recurring attention that they pay to the escapades of el lute which is spain's most wanted criminal okay and then the actual um interpretation of the narrative of the assassination of carrero blanco okay so there's like actual like events that occurred in like spanish history that are like kind of tapered in throughout well, this yeah as well. and i saw stuff on the television too yeah that's I what noticed. i'm talking about yeah like yeah from the I, TV I, reporters when he went into when they went into the hospital there was like this serial killer or whatever that they were talking about mm-hmm. or a murderer or whatever but yeah i don't know all the politics of spain so i'm sure there's like a lot of nods towards that yeah yeah it's crazy so this is his first um alex de iglesias first film not co-written um, right by jorge <sighs> Yes, yeah, that, that one. one's a tough one to say, yeah. I'm not even going to try it because I'm going to fuck it up real bad. Yeah. But you mentioned him earlier yeah. in this <laughs> episode. Um, the director just wanted to tell the story so badly in his own way, but his writing partner didn't really connect to the material. So he wrote it on his own. He actually, at the 67th Venice International Film Festival, it was the film was nominated for the Golden Lion Award. Didn't win, but Alex de Iglesia received the Silver Lion Award for Best Director. Hmm. For this movie, which was kind of like an upset, essentially, because people were like, the fuck? 
Because I think something else was supposed to win, but right, whatever. Um, and then in interviews at the time of the release of this movie in Spain, um, D'Iglesia stated that Francoism in its decline was like the prehistory of his life. The era is a mixture of a dream and a nightmare. And um, De La Iglesia was eight years old in 1973. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so he made the film as an exorcism of the pain in his soul that he had been unable to get rid of since that time. He wanted to annihilate the hate and the pain with a grotesque joke that could make you laugh and cry at the same time. Awesome. And I was like, it's fucking brilliant because yeah. that's exactly what he does. It's so good. He lays it out so perfectly. And I was happy to read that in an interview because I was like, that completely it. sums this fucking movie up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew there was a lot Perfect. more to it than, <laughs> Cherry than on I top. as a, as a, you know, yeah, there's, an a, American there's even. a lot to this. And like, I actually had to like sit down and go because Mouse is like, there was a Spanish Civil War. And I was like, yeah, yes. And, and he goes, thank you for failing me once again, public education. And I'm like, <laughs> how did I'm like my put? Well, I came from California. So, of course, I oh, knew yeah. about it. I but, knew about it, too. But yeah, I was like, yes. And then so I like go into this whole thing, like talking to Mouse about Spanish Civil War and blah, 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 and like all this stuff. And then I like looked into different things to correlations like the newscasts and what they were talking about. And if this was actually things that happened in Spain, and these are things that happened, these are people that are real. Right. Well, they showed that part where it was like 25 years of peace. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It was yeah. so good. I love how he peppered in actual moments in Spanish history yeah. to this film to give it that concrete placement, which I thought was brilliant because it almost makes it super believable, but then it's it's not because, holy balls, there's so much crazy shit that goes on in this. Well, and I wonder bananas, if there was but... like messaging with the whole, um, with his father, because like I would assume that the kid was eight years old in the movie. Yeah. When all this oh, shit like went his, down. Uh, and then maybe his father was held prisoner by the war, by it's what possible. happened by the war. And he was kind of like saying that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like the mindset of the war really kind of fucking took a toll on mm-hmm. him. But he wanted his son to go, you know, I don't know. Yeah, There's got to be he, some connections there with his dad or something. The war something. wasn't going on anymore, like when he was a child. But his father definitely probably partook in it. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I don't know about him partaking in it, but or I think just it just, an involvement just the metaphor way. of it affecting him mm-hmm. where he was a prisoner Right. Because he was technically a prisoner mm-hmm. of the war because uh, he was, yeah. Yeah, so, he was, yeah. yeah. They didn't kill him because they found him humorous or something. I don't know what it was. It was to punish him or something. I don't know. Some shit. They just made him a laborer. Right. Well, then they kill him. But. Right. So what are some of the scenes that you like in this movie? I mean, there's quite a few, but I tried to like lower it down because I knew I we were going to have... spit out the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, I could literally spit out the whole movie, but it's best just to watch it. So I just want to like... like the One of the very first ones, obviously, is like the whole... Clowns are like trying to entertain kids while bombs are going off during the Spanish War, and the clown suits up for war uh, with a machete. And, and, and he's like, can I change... Yeah. And he's like, the general like puts on his clown nose and he's like, nah. he's like, if I saw a clown, he's like, he's like, they will see a clown with a machete and it will scare the shit out of them. So no. Like, yeah. Accurate. In it, most cases. Yeah. And that was kind of funny. I mean, it was just a single warehouse that they were like having this little war in. Yeah. But, but you know, it, it suffice. It did its job. So, um, but yeah, that was the first one that really like caught my attention. What about you? When Javier first comes to the circus um uh, well i like the scene where he talks to his father like as a teenager 
and oh through the bars through the bars he's talking yeah. to his father and his father tells him like that his destiny is to be a sad clown and whatever and then he actually goes into the mine that his father's working in with dynamite and tries to like make this blow up blow up and to make a big distraction distraction for his father to break free right and it literally like not literally but doesn't back basically yeah. blows up in his face and then the general um Act, ends up trampling his father to death with his horse. Right, on the chest, and which then, is brutal. Yeah, and then Javier knocks him off his horse, and then he fucking gouges one of his eyes out on his bayonet, which is hilarious. And this comes into play later in the movie, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. I like how they tied that in. I thought it was really cool. Um, but then we fast forward to Javier and his sad clown makeup, and he's meeting the guy, one of the dudes that runs the circus. Like 15 years later. Yeah, he's an yeah, adult, like yeah. a full-on chubby cherub adult. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, he's actually like 30 or 40, it looks like. Something, yeah. yeah. He's old at this point now. But so he's walking him through the circus, introducing him to, you know, people or whatever. And then he introduces him to his elephant. And his elephants, he says that his elephant gets jealous whenever he sees him with other women and then the elephant just fucking takes his trunk and punches javier basically and knocks him on his ass right which is hilarious and he's like oh it must be what you're wearing because <laughs> he like kind of looks like it's like a woman's right. costume well they're also trying to say he's weak or something or whatever yeah because like, he is stereotypicalness of like what a woman is yeah. or something you know but then he sees natalia on her silks and falls in love with her immediately because right. she's fucking beautiful and the guy's like she's taken by your boss. You might want to chill so, out. So, yeah, be careful. <laughs> uh, I like that scene, though. I just, I just like the looking around the whole circus and how that uh, set that they built and shit for it's really cool. One of the scenes, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite scene or anything, but it is a very important part in the, the movie. So they go to this diner and they're having like this, this meeting with Javier got hired by Sergio, who is the happy clown, and he's supposed to, and Javier is the sad clown. So there's automatically this sort of like um, underling vibe that he's getting from his boss because he's supposed to be the assistant. And this guy really thrives in the space of being an egotistical piece of shit um who he's thinks hot, his, yeah he thinks he's a hot dog he's a, a womanizer one beater uh like but like everybody is just like placating him and like at this place like laughing at everything he says and like javier is new to the whole scene and so the sergio guy has this joke that he's gonna tell and the joke is everybody's supposed to laugh at it and they're like oh this is a good one he's like shut the fuck up to the one of the biggest kiss asses and uh he's telling the story about this woman who gives birth to a baby and the uh, nurse would get like shows it to the father and slams it in his face and as he's doing it he, he uses this chicken that he wrapped in a blanket and then smashes it against the diner window over and over and over again as if he's smashing the baby in the father's face and he's like he'd asked what the the sex was beforehand and uh he was like why would you do that why would you smash the baby in my face you killed my baby yeah you killed my baby and he was like it was already dead anyway and that was the joke yeah it was born dead is the joke yeah it was born dead and everybody starts laughing except for javier and and natalia Natalia. yeah so but the fact laughed so hard did he? Yeah, he was laughing, and I'm all, why is that funny? 
I don't think it, I didn't think it was funny either. No, I don't know what. He, and I, I got a sick, fucked up humor. I, so did I, and I was like, "Why is that funny?" And I was like, "I don't know," but it was. I can't explain why it was funny, but it was funny. And I was like, "Is it just like the fact that he's smashing? It's chicken so in fucked a up, and this would never happen. That makes it come. I don't understand." Yeah, I didn't get it either. But I was like, "Can you explain this to me?" It's like, am I missing something from this joke? <laughs> like, I don't get it. <laughs> but the thing I, I really liked about it is not necessarily even anything about the joke, but like what happens afterwards is the tension between Sergio, everyone there, Natalia, and fucking um, Javier. Because Javier knows that he's like, well, why? So what was the mother? I don't get it. Like, where was the mother? You know, and like, because clearly he's not the type of guy who's just going to laugh at something because he's he's not part of the group yet. So he doesn't know how the fucking rules work around this guy who's like a complete egomaniac. And so he starts beating on fucking Natalia and screaming and freaking out, saying that she he ruined the fucking he can't even eat his food because he's lost his appetite. Like, fuck you, dude. But it really drives home. He beats her so hard that she's knocked out and even goes as far as to leave with all the employees, everyone leaving her on the ground bloodied and passed out, except Javier goes back when they're not looking and helps her out. And then all of a sudden, like, Sergio comes back and she's he's like, why would you let him, you know, he's like, you need to leave him. And she's like, you know, you don't understand these things. Like, I chose him or whatever. I don't remember what she says exactly. But then he starts banging her. Sergio starts banging her up against a window while Sergio's on the other side thinking that Javier's like Javier worries that she's getting beaten, but she's really having sex. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's really weird. It's like this whole movie is all about balance of like like good and bad, mm-hmm. and uh, and brushing that line. And this one in particular just really does that. But I just thought that was a really impactful scene. And uh, whether I liked what happened in it or not, it just was like dark. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. I guess. Yeah. What about you though? So Javier takes Natalia because she asks him to take her to like the fair. Or whatever. Right. So they go to the fair and he's like worried the whole time. At first he doesn't want to because he doesn't want Sergio to find them and whatever. And then she tells him he has to live a little. And so they do and they go. They're having a lot of fun. And then he, t- he steals cotton candy from a child for whatever reason and then takes a bite out of it. And then they both turn around and they stop dead in their tracks because it's they see Sergio. Mm-hmm. Sergio comes up and starts beating the shit out of Natalia, like throws her. He, he punches her so hard yeah, she slides across the ground. Into this like garbage can. And then he comes up and grabs her by the back of her neck and drags her on her knees. Right. And her knees, like you can see a trail of like blood from her knees on the ground. And then no one's doing anything. And I'm like, you're in there in a sea of people, like tons of people. And no one's doing shit. Right. Which I'm like, holy crap. Um, then Javier comes up and tries to like intervene. He ends up tossing him on like the strongman, um, like the mallet strongman. Yeah, where like, you try to get thing. the bell to hit. Yeah, you yeah. try and hit the bell. And he starts hitting him in the chest and the stomach, like against the thing. And then he eventually like hits the bell because he hits it so hard. I want my prize. Yeah. And then the police eventually come and take him away after he fights off a couple of them. And then he's like, I hit the bell. I made the bell. I want my prize. Like, yeah. Anyway, so Javier's in the hospital because he's got like internal bleeding, broken ribs. He's super fucked up. <clears throat> he has all these crazy dreams about Natalia and having to like save her or whatever. And... Then he, so he breaks out of the hospital, which is hilarious. That whole scene is super funny. Like yeah. him like sneaking on the ground, like underneath the nurse's like station is so ugh, stupid, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. He runs back in the rain, like, and everybody tries to stop him at works at the circus. They're like, what the, f- 
stop. Like, you don't want to do that. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Because they all know what's going on. Right. He breaks into the tent and Sergio is fucking Natalia. And all you see is like a, um, like a shadow figure of it. Mm-hmm. And so he grabs a knife, cuts through or grabs a hook. Yeah. Cuts through the, the tent screen and then hooks Sergio in the back, like under his arm. Right. Or whatever. And as he's like screaming in pain and shit, he ends up like knocking him on the ground and he beats the fucking shit out of him with a trumpet. Right. And it is so fucking badass. Natalia's just naked, screaming in the corner, getting covered in blood. And you just see like him bashing the fucking ever loving shit out of his face with this trumpet. And then he just throws this broken, bloody trumpet on the ground. And then Sergio is just. Fucked. fucked up like he's still yeah. alive but but what makes that scene really work well and and that i think we should point out though is that all those dates he was going on he went on like two dates with natalia oh yeah she is like flirting with him and she likes him because he's like no other man she's ever met because every man tries to throw her yeah, he's the, nice to her he's nice to her he treats her like a human being and she's not used to it but she wants the best of both worlds she wants the hot guy who has hot sex and she wants the sweet guy who treats her like a human being and actually loves her, mm-hmm. but she can't have both. So it's this weird back and forth of like being in between. But I think she's really not. I don't think what he, I don't think he put her in to literally have a war against both, um, both people. Um, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not a story about two guys fighting over a girl, in my opinion. After well, hearing no. what you said, I think it's about how, the dichotomy between pain and love and what we experience of happiness and sadness are all intertwined together. Right. And I think that that's why that moment and then them going back and forth is the struggle you have mm-hmm. with the pain in your past and the happy times that you have, the struggle with yeah. war and It's all about like peace. happiness and tragedy that turns you into who you are. Right, yeah. And like you can go one or two ways from that. You can either be you know a fucked up horrible person or you can be a pretty good person that might have fucked up tendencies sometimes and and i'm gonna jump ahead a little bit here even though i'm gonna go back a couple of steps too just to point out a couple of things um but at the very end we're just gonna jump to that because this is like very poignant right now um the very end natalia dies and we'll you know, like she she does her famous acrobat trick where she like lowers herself down to save Javier. Yeah, to save Javier, and uh, she the it, it 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 falls too short and breaks her back. But at the very very end, like they both get arrested, they both survive, and they both realize they're laughing and crying at the same time. They're crying so hard it looks like they're laughing. Right, like which it's is it's supposed to draw that blur that line. So beautiful. Like that scene is so powerful and just they're, how that they're, they're covered think, in blood, they're all fucking fucked up and this is after both of them are basically they're monsters. They right. made themselves into monsters. Pretty well Sergio didn't necessarily have a choice. But well, what I got from it though is more about just the um that that the sadness and happiness are, are interconnected. Yeah. It's and very they, much the same emotion. That is where they connect and that was the moment they connect is when they lost, you know, they they, they realize how similar they both were even though they were vastly different, happiness and sadness. Yeah. So it was cool. I love the end. And that they both are filled with pain. 
So, yeah, it's like really weird. But um, I want to take it back a step just to point out some funny things. One of the things was the whole part where the so the happy clown Sergio, the dickhead, the fucking woman beater and shit like that. He is like on top of an elephant and he's telling uh, Javier, the sad clown, to throw this baby to him. And he's like, you're too far away, though. He's like, you're too far away. I can't reach you. I don't want to drop the baby. The elephant moved. And he's like threatening him because part of the reason is, is that early on when they went on the first date, he had overheard that they went somewhere together and he's pissed at the fucking sad clown, but he can't prove it. And he also doesn't want to show weakness. So he's taking it out on him and is purposely intentionally trying to make Javier throw the baby so that he misses and has to live with the guilt of a dead baby on his hands. Like, that's how cold and callous he is. So Javier, like, throws the baby, and he doesn't even try to catch it. Like, the the happy clown. And then the the kiss-ass guy catches it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, I know. oh, my God, you're throwing a baby. <laughs> I completely forgot about that scene. I did, too. <laughs> that's a good scene, though. It was just like, you know, there's just some tension because they really play and into like, it. he's like, you harm a child, I'll fucking kill you. And yeah, I was his like, whole Jesus. life is kids and making kids happy. Like, that's all he that's all he's about. Because in the beginning, when Javier meets Sergio, he says, if I'm if I wasn't a clown, I'd be a murderer. Right. And I love that. It's so interesting. And then that's how Javier kind of wins him over because he says, me too. And I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. But yeah, Sergio actually like really loves children. And that's like his whole point in life is to like cheer up children and make them laugh and yeah. that's c- what keeps him sane essentially right even though he's a horrible fucking person he loves kids and would never harm one which i thought was crazy but um i like after there's a point where javier after he beats the shit out of sergio like disappears off and lives in <laughs> fucking like woods for a while and like this weird shack thing that has a like no. it's like a cave yeah it's kind of like it's like a it. dirt over it, yeah and he just survives by like this animals that fall into it and I think it was this, like a bunker for the Spanish War. I think so. War, I think yeah. it was a weird bunker thing. But this fucking like deer falls into it and it's the most ridiculous fucking scene. But I, <laughs> it was hilarious. And he eats it. And then later raw. on, uh, late raw, later on a fucking boar falls through it and the boar's fine and it chases him out. And that's when he eventually like, he starts running, the boar's attacking him and then the boar gets shot and this is where... Salcedo, I think that was his name. Hang on. Well, the guy that, that he, he made fall off the horse yeah, that in the beginning, his father. The, the colonel. Yeah. In the beginning that killed his father, like, that he took his eye out or whatever, is there. Saving and his life. Say He saves his life and then he recognizes him and then takes him back and basically holds him as prisoner and makes him into, like, a hunting dog. Right, which and is fucked up. It is. And then he ends up, like, hurting one of his guests. And so he's like, I'm just going to fucking kill this guy. Well, they well, throw him in this, like, utility room. And but before that, I want to mention something. Um, I think part of the reason that they did that, uh, making him that pet, is to say, hey, this is where you belong. Yeah. You know, like, hey, your life is supposed to suck. And that's why he gave in and bit the guy, mm-hmm. you know, in the movie. Yeah. So, he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be, uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be treated like dirt. Which is funny because this guy's trying to tell him to not let him treat him like that he's the only one that's being nice to him and then he and bites, he bites him hand. yeah i thought that was cool i was like huh um so while he's waiting for the colonel to come kill him he is in this big weird room that has a whole bunch of stuff like a bunch of christmas decorations and like costumes and like random shit so he finds this it was some type of hydro not hydrochloric acid but whatever the fuck powder, i think it's like borax some or something. type of like yeah. acidic 
to make his white face white powder yeah. that he finds and he like mixes it up in water and then you know burns the shit out of his hands throws it on his face and it just burns his face but also turns it white like mm-hmm. a clown so he's basically trying to imitate like his sad clown makeup to make it permanent and then he finds a iron plugs it in gets a hot takes the iron puts it on both of his cheeks and then takes a scalpel carves into his uh, the little like weird eyebrow thing above his eye yeah and then he t- kisses the iron the iron yeah and so he looks like this fucking fucked up deranged clown before that he like a found, pope almost before like, that he found this like bishop kind of like costume yeah. and sewed a bunch of christmas decorations onto it too and then he builds this incredible weird bishopy clown costume right it's so fucking dope and then he breaks out and then he kills the people like oh the one guy comes to get him and he bashes his head in with an iron which is cool and then he goes down and kills the colonel and then steals some machine guns and then breaks out right yeah and he just starts going around freaking out in the city (laughs) shooting guns he goes into a restaurant yeah let me tell this scene yeah uh this is one of my favorite scenes because i like uh it's just like uh i feel like it could have done more there yeah um and 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 maybe it was because my expectations were like what's gonna happen because you could tell that javier's lost his mind he looks like a fucking maniac and and part of it is because she kind of falls back in love with uh sergio sergio even though he's all fucked up Right, like, but he's carrying these two Uzis, and he walks into this diner and then shoots up the walls for no reason. And there's this little boy that comes out of the bathroom during this time, and they're and this family had already left, and he was like, it was like, oh, you forgot Ricky or something like that. And then they go in, and Ricky comes out of the bathroom like, oh, it's a clown, you know, it's supposed to be happy. They make kids happy, and uh, he looks at him and kind of points his gun at the kid's head. And then the father comes in and then takes the kid, and that's it. But it was still kind of the way it looked it when I saw the trailer. Too. I was like, holy shit, what the fuck is this movie? Oh, that's what got me into it. Yeah, I was like, like that. I was like. Dope. But, but then it kind of like slows down again a little bit after that. So I kind of like, you know. Yeah, but he commandeers the fucking ice cream truck, which I love because then it's like Twisted Metal, the fucking video game. Oh, yeah, kind of, huh? Yes. Because <laughs> I always wanted to be the clown in the ice cream truck. And, and just like, yes. And you dope. have to appreciate that the movie goes to uh, a gigantic cross building for the end scene fight battle. Perfectly poetic. Yeah, which is where they it. where N- Natalia dies. But there's that fucking the stunt bike guy. <laughs> oh shit! They have this whole scene that's really comedic, <laughs> and it's like his whole. I think it's almost like his way of showing, like you know, like his failed efforts. Yeah, that he thought were going to change the world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you have these aspirations, and the stunt bike guy is always failing. Like he always just jumps and doesn't land. He crashes like every time throughout the whole film. Yeah, he slams into. A- Wall and then it's this one moment he's like i'm gonna save them all he's like trust me i got my new bike i got new gasoline this gasoline's like fixed. yeah my turbo bike and he's like it's finally gonna happen and this is gonna be the moment and he just slams into the side of the building blows up <laughs> i fucking love that i was like what the fuck that was great and then yeah. they even like go as far to show his body like bouncing all <laughs> over the place like <laughs> but then he's in like one solid pretty much fine looking piece at the end right yeah like, okay then but our, he's not burned at all it's fine but for as, as ridiculous and weird as this movie is and things like that that happen in the movie it's like really like it's got a there's a high impact to this movie it's not i can guarantee you that both of these movies aren't for everybody no 
You know, like these don't just like I'm not saying that you have to be smart to watch these. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you have to appreciate layers to a movie, uh, you know, rich characters that don't make a lot of sense, but are just intriguing as fuck mm-hmm. the whole fucking time. And then appreciate a little bit of weirdness going in. But there's definitely some symbolism in this. Maybe not as much as like fucking we were going to do Santa, Santa Sangre. Sangre. Uh but, Dad, do you have any finishing, uh, closing thoughts on these? Uh, watch Would, both of these movies. They're both great. But you still like this Just one over that one. Oh, yeah. I prefer The Last Circus over the other one. Yeah. For sure. He and really then, came into his, like... I love both, but, like, this is this is his, like, Magnum love letter, opus. I, I yeah. guess, to film. It's dope. It seems like it's very personal, and maybe that's it why. It is very personal, and he says that in interviews. It's a very personal movie to him, so... And I think that's... It makes sense, like you feel that and then like what he said about it in particular about what he was trying to to do right and i was like holy balls that's exactly what you did fool like good job i love the symbolism in it i love the struggle i love the dichotomy like multiple ways yeah too so it's you know it's kind of how you perceive it yourself when you watch it so it's it's interesting and really really fucking good and really and just also really wacky weird in the physical part it's insane (laughs) yeah it's absolutely fucking crazy and none of this should flow together but it somehow seamlessly does yeah it's really weird although i like i said i'd be curious to see what you think of witching and bitching but i'm gonna watch it Yeah, yeah you should but yeah guys that's it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed both the Day of the Beast, and of course, The Last Circus. So, um, and we'll be doing more uh, next week. Obviously, we'll have some uh, either a couple of movies or we'll decide on something. Uh, we were thinking about doing Ma, but no, we're not like really moved by it. So maybe I'll save that for a video review. Um, but uh, we're really thankful that you guys stopped by. Please do give us a share with somebody that you think uh, would enjoy this podcast. We really do appreciate you guys coming by each week. And as always, stay weird, monsters. Void